Welcome to Trail Manners, the podcast so dedicated to mountain trails and running that they broadcast out of a 78 Volkswagen bus in the mountains. Who does that? Eric and Joel are your hosts and will bring you the trail life as you may have not heard it before. You hear about everything from gear reviews, nutrition to keep you upright and moving forward, and they'll even bring guests into the bus for conversations that you won't hear anywhere else. It's time for some running adventures on a higher elevation. The old 78 Volkswagen bus is fired up and headed to the mountains. Here are your hosts for Trail Manners, proudly representing the 801 with their passion and love for the trails, Eric Manning and Joel Hatch. Welcome to the Trail Manners Podcast, episode number 97. Today, Joel Hatch catches up with Luke Nelson on the old telly. So if it's your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The Trail Manners Podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at trailmanners.com. Come back often, and please feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Trail Manners. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get after it. All right, welcome to the Trail Manners Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Hatch, with Eric Manning. Today on the phone, we have Luke Nelson for episode number 97. Luke Nelson is a sponsor ultra runner by Patagonia, La Sportiva, Goo, Uphill Athlete, Zeal Optics, Jaybird, and Sunto. In addition to his sponsorship, Luke is also a physician's assistant out of Pocatello, Idaho. Luke, thanks for taking your time to join us today. Always excited to be here, man. So you've had kind of a low-key, under-the-radar 2017 compared to 2016. So what have you been doing so far this year? Well, um, you know, it's, it's funny. It's, it's low-key in the running world, but I would say it's been pretty predominant in the world of activism. Um, I've been heavily involved with um, Patagonia's efforts um, to... Uh, protect Bears Ears National Monument. Uh, earlier this year, I got the, a really cool opportunity to take a 360 film project that Patagonia uh, created with uh, duct tape and beer. Um, Did you say duct tape and beer? Duct tape and beer, yeah. That's a, the production company with Fitz Cajal uh, and his team. Uh, they teamed up together, made this amazing 360 video project, and then I got to take it on tour uh, around the United States. Uh, at events at Patagonia stores where we just had a packed house at every event. Right. Uh, talking about bear years and showing off how, what an amazing place it is and helping people understand why it's super important to protect it. Um, that was a, a nine-stop tour all across the U.S. Um, and in addition to that, I spoke at a couple of um, state-level land rallies, one in Idaho and one in Utah. Right. Um, to, you know, talking about public lands and why they're super important. That uh, those projects occupied a ton of my spring where normally I would have been maybe racing a little bit more. Right. Uh, but I felt this was a lot more important. Well, this, is this the first year you really kind of dove into that? Yeah. You know, I've, I've been involved with projects that I would consider kind of activism type projects. One in Idaho with Boulder White Clouds. And right. The work at, uh, in South America at Conservation and Patagonica. But this is the first time that I took a really, um, I would say a public role uh, outside of being just a runner doing something for the sake of activism. Um, whereas in this case, I was being a straight up activist and, and right. you know, stand, standing in front of crowds of thousands of people and telling them why public lands are important. Yeah, you really stuck your neck out for that and really committed to that <laughs> this year, which was really cool to see. 
Uh, so it was exciting and to- a, a totally rewarding experience for me uh, to be able to meet people from all over the United States who have different interests in public lands for different reasons and uh, to kind of come to a common ground that that's one of the things that makes the United States unique is the public lands that we all own as a nation. Right. So during some of these stops, especially during like your stop in Idaho and Utah for when you're speaking at the Capitol, there's a lot of people there that obviously agree with you. But what about those people that don't agree with you? Did you get a chance to speak with them and kind of get their side of the story and understand a little bit better about kind of where they're coming from? You know, I really tried to. It's it's hard to get outside of your sounding board. Um, you know, your all of our social media accounts tend to reflect what we like as opposed to things that we don't like. Right. Um, and it, I made a pretty concerted effort to try to sit down with with people who thought differently than me and try to understand their point of view. Um, in the end, I still had a bit of a hard time understanding it, to be totally honest. Um, right. But I, I, I tried to be empathetic towards uh, the reasons they wanted uh, maybe monuments reduced or uh, public lands in state hands or things like that. Right. Now, you went down to Bears Ear this past spring and ran basically all of it. Is that correct? <laughs> well, not all of it. I mean, the monument's gigantic, but uh, Jared Campbell, um, Matt Irving, and Stephen Nam and I did a traverse, a three-day traverse, um, right. I guess three and a half day, uh, where we covered about 150 miles um, of some of the most amazing desert country I've ever been in uh, on foot. Um, right. It was just mind-boggling. <laughs> so were these on like dirt roads, trails, or were these like straight up cross-country? Um, we did have a little bit of cross country where we were linking canyon systems together, but for the most part, they were um, trails in the bottom of canyons that are that are known. I mean, we we went to a couple places that are definitely lesser known, right? But we also went to some of the most popular or most known places. We went through Grand Gulch or uh, some of the you know uh, natural bridges uh, national monument, which is now part of Bears Ears. Um, we went through both of those, which is you know backpackers mega destination is it um yeah yeah but the crazy thing is you know with all the the land or the the distance that we covered we saw very few people i think a total ended up being uh under 30 and 15 of those were a river party when we hit the san juan river like oh. a river trip <laughs> so uh, super uh secluded um and 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 amazing archaeological things you couldn't throw a rock without seeing a painting or a building or right. some traces of these you know uh, ancient cultures and that's one of the main reasons it really does need to be kind of protected yeah you know th- that is the reason you know if you look at the antiquities act which is what you was used to uh set aside bears ears national monuments is to protect cultural sites right and as our population has continued to expand and and frankly, as recreation has continued to expand, in addition to extractive industries, these places are at risk. And once the archaeological sites are destroyed, you can't get those back. Right. Um, and and so when it was declared, it was declared to protect those places. So how do you think the monument, the designation of the monument is going to help protect those? Because, I mean, obviously you can go out and you can see those right now. And the, don't you think the monument designation itself is going to attract more people and maybe they don't know the etiquette of, Oh, I need to leave that alone. Yeah, totally. That's, I mean, that's probably the biggest conundrum right now is bears ears has been in such a spotlight for the last we could say year 
um, that there are a lot more people going to that area to visit it. And so now the the risk is that it will be overrun just by tourism. Right. Um, so so the, the, the real kind of crux of it is the monument status put in place uh, protections and needs a management plan that is put together after a monument is declared. And as long as it continues to be kind of in this weird space of um, not sure what the current administration is going to recommend or do with it, it's kind of in no man's land. And so it's up to the nonprofit uh, environmental groups that are in the area, like Friends of Cedar Mesa or uh, Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance, to educate people on how to visit appropriately until a better management plan can be put in use to, to keep the, the area safe. Oh man, I hope that works out because that that's kind of scary. Because like you said, for like at least the last year, if not eighteen months, that's been like the forefront of this was going to be the next big monument. I want to go check it out, but that management plan is just not there yet. And man, if that's not like if there's something not done, then so many valuable things could be lost or destroyed inadvertently. Just yeah, by completely being, by love being loved to death. Yeah, completely. It's certainly a risk right now and, and, and probably the, the biggest challenge that it currently faces. Right. Well, that was really cool that you got to go down and experience that. I remember when that uh, video came out that Patagonia had on their trail running page. That was so awesome. And it was yeah. so well done. It was breathtaking. So it's pretty cool. It's still up. You can still see it on the Patagonia side if you wanted to check it out with you. Yeah. I think we'll do is we'll, goggles. we'll put that. Well, I don't have 360 goggles, but I can, <laughs> uh, I can put the the link on the, the show notes for, for this interview cool. for, for anybody that hasn't seen it. So besides running in, in bear's ears and being, you know, that, that taking on that new role of being an activist, what sort of, you know, training were you doing this spring? Have you done, have you done any races? I don't even know that yet. Have you done any races? <laughs> Uh, it snuck into a couple. Um, I, um, had been, I had some pretty big goals for the season that I've been working really hard to get ready for. Right. Um, and, and kind of had, was incognito just training my guts out, working with Scott at uphill athlete week. Uh, we're putting together a pretty aggressive plan. Um, when scout mountain came around, uh, my race committee, uh, surprised me with a bib number for the 35 K. Oh, nice. <laughs> so I, I jumped in the, the, the smut 35k uh, yeah. in the midst of race directing uh had a great race there um ended up in third second where did i end up second or third third i think um you got on the podium that's what that's what's important yeah maybe i was second anyways um but four of us went under the old course record um had a real spicy run with with uh yeah it was a good crew um and then i uh, kind of got back to training recovering I uh, jumped, uh, I drove down to Hard Rock to pace um, Mike Foote, um, oh, yeah. which was a cool experience. Got to run with Mike and uh, Killian and Joe Grant up front for a bunch of hours, which was good times. Yeah, I saw you banging up Killian when he dislocated his yeah. shoulder, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got to put on my, my PA hat for uh, a couple of times and help uh, secure his shoulder so he can keep running. That's amazing uh, that he did soaked, uh, <laughs> that I was helping out the competition, but <laughs> that's okay. That that's what trail running's about, right? You gotta help out your yeah. fellow runners. Yeah, no, it's totally cool. Totally cool. So after Hard uh, Rock, what have you been up to? Well, you know, actually the week before that, Jared Campbell and I set the FKT of the Utah thirteeners. Um Huh. I don't know if you even heard about that. <laughs> well, I no, I haven't heard about that, but I do remember you telling me that you guys were gonna 
attempt to do that probably yeah. last February when we talked. Yeah. So, so that, that was that actually go? the week before Hard Rock. It was awesome. It was awesome. Um, uh, the Uintas are a burly mountain range. That's for sure. Um, so how many peaks but, were in that FKT attempt? 19, 13,000 foot peaks. And so what was the distance and elevation change on that? It's about, it's about 60 miles, um, and mid 20 thousands for elevation gain. Oh, that's pretty legit. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty solid. It took us 32 hours. Oh my goodness. Minutes. So we took, we took four hours off the old FKT that Tom Goth and Jason Dre had set up. Nice. Yeah, it was, it was rad. Um, made my legs pretty tired going into hard rock, but, um, yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> um, let's see after hard rock. What do I do after hard rock? I, um, I went up to help Ty at the, uh, Vaquero Loco. Right. Um, and jumped into 25 K there, which was good times. Yep. Um, was able to beat uh, Ray Landon's course record in the 25K. Right. Um, uh, it was great. It was Jason Flarb to chase down in the 50K, which gave me a little bit of a rabbit. And, um, and then there's a good good second place. I don't remember the guy's name, but pushed me pretty hard to make sure we got under the – kept it honest. Right. Um, let's see. Then a couple weeks after that, there was the – I jumped in the Cirque Series race, uh, the Discrete Cirque Series at Snowbird. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's uh, They're in their second year of that. They're doing a pretty good job with that now. Yeah, it's super fun race. It was only nine miles, um, 3,700 feet of climbing up Snowbird. That's legit. Um, <laughs> some, of the, some of the cool parts of the Speedgoat course that it runs on. Right. Um, and I ended up third in the pro division there. Um, and that was definitely on a whim. Uh, I needed one last hard workout before my biggest adventure this year. And, um, that worked out great to jump in that and race the fast kids. Yeah. Um, and then it was, and then it was Nolan's. Nolan's was the, the goal for the year on uh, Labor Day weekend. Uh, Jared Campbell and I went down, um, to be totally honest with, intention of trying to set uh, a fastest known time on the Nolan's route um, and ended up not quite getting that, but having a pretty epic experience. So for those people who don't know what the Nolan's route is, can you give us a quick synopsis of that? Yeah. So Nolan's is um, a pretty burly, roughly hundred mile route through the Sawatch range in Colorado. Yeah. Uh, 14 14,000 foot peaks right um and the 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 clock starts when you leave the trailhead either at the northern end or the southern end and it finishes when you get to the trailhead at the opposite end um there's not a set route um the only stipulation is that you have to summit all of the peaks all the you said there's 14, 14. of them and there yeah. that there is a time limit on that right yeah, the once upon a time it was a race. Um, uh, a bunch of hard rockers got together and and had a race, and and it was a sixty-hour time limit. Right. And for the first few years, it was just how many peaks could you do in sixty hours. Right. Uh, until I think it was two thousand and two, maybe, where they had the first uh, couple of runners get all fourteen peaks in under sixty hours. That's and then, um, yeah, yeah. And, and this is, these are like, these are hard rock veterans, guys that, that know how to run at altitude in the mountains. Right. Um, and then I think it was maybe in 2009 or 10, uh, where Jared Campbell and Matt Hart kind of were the first finishers for like eight years or, f or six years. And, um, 
they did trail to head to trailhead in under 60 hours. Right. So that became uh, and that, and that then. Yeah, they kind of keep track of both right now. I mean, you'll get an official Nolan's acknowledgement if you get to the final peak in under 60 hours. Um, but more and more people are getting trailhead to trailhead in under 60. Right. So how far off that last peak is the trailhead? Um, it's pretty far. Uh, those peaks are just gigantic. Um, it took us, uh, I think, two hours oh. from the summit to the, to the last trailhead. Were you guys running that pretty hard or was that a leisure pace? Well, that's uh, running it pretty hard at the end of a hundred miler. Uh, it felt like we were running really fast. Right. So um, like, like, <laughs> like 10 minute pace. Yeah. Yeah. Felt maybe like you guys were going six. Yeah. yeah. We were just crushing. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, and our route, um, you know, I haven't talked to Jared to get the official GPS reading, but we figured it was about 97 or 98 miles is what the route that we put together wow. was. Um, with about 46,000 feet of ascent. That's amazing. And the same of descent. Have yeah. you ever done 46,000 feet of climbing before in uh, days? In a week. In a week. Yeah, but that's in a <laughs> week. <laughs> yeah. But you're talking but no, like I'm, over I'm two days, you're, you're doing that. Yeah. But what was that like? Um, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah, by a lot, frankly. Um, <laughs> by a lot, I like it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I knew I knew it would be hard going in. Um, but I had a point, um, I guess I can kind of publicly share my, my breakdown here. Um, we won't tell anybody. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I had a point, it was uh, between, let's see, Missouri and Huron. So yeah. um, that's, uh, that's in the middle-ish, you know, about 32 hours, 30 hours in, um, where I, I, I mentally just broke. Uh, and the reason I broke is I couldn't wrap my head around still only being halfway at that point. Right. Um, I, I just, I couldn't even imagine what it would take to finish. Um, and, and, and had a pretty serious conversation with Jared and told him that I didn't think I could, I could do it. Um, and told him that when we got to our crew at Winfield, which was still a lot of hours later, right. <laughs> uh, that I was going to pull the plug. Um, and, and, and Jared in his, you know, infinite wisdom, uh, didn't say much, didn't, didn't push or, or much, but he did say, you know, this is what you signed up for is one comment he made <laughs> and, and that and that was pretty good motivation <laughs> um and then and then he just made me promise that i wouldn't immediately quit when we got to crew that i would at least give it a half an hour and i did i promised That's that i would pretty smart thing to do pretty smart yeah. yeah and you know as we worked our way down we had a long ways to go to still get there i think it was another four or five hours um right before we got to where we would meet our crew we crossed paths with crew of a couple of other people that were out. Um, and then as we pulled into our crew, I saw uh, a runner by the name of John Sharp. And we had seen John on the second peak um, in his own attempt. He was going the same direction as us. And we, we had started after them and caught and passed him. And he had he'd pulled the plug for whatever reason. Right. And, and I saw him and I looked at my watch and realized that we still had 20 hours, 24 hours, and only three peaks left. Granted, they were three huge peaks, but, you know, the thought crossed my mind, like, I'm here, I have so much time, how greedy of it, or or proud, or, or whatever word you want to use, of me to quit, because I felt like it was hard, when 
in all reality, I could still totally finish. Yeah. So and, is that, is that how you minutes. made that mental change then? You're like, yeah, I'm, I'm game on. I'm on this now. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's no way I could so, be so selfish and say, I'm going to quit when, when a lot of people would have, have really been happy to be where I was at that time. Right. That, and, and I still couldn't imagine finishing at that point, but I just determined to put one foot in front of the other until we got there. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much how you finished it. Yeah. Was yeah. it just a mental grind at that point? Uh, you know, physically I was actually doing okay. Um, and when I had the mental shift that I wasn't going to stop, uh, I felt pretty good. Um, and, and everybody, anybody that attempts something of that difficulty is going to feel totally destroyed at the end of it. Right. Um, but I felt that I wasn't any more destroyed than anyone else. Like I, I was as well prepared as I could have been going into it. That's true. I mean, you've been in a lot of hard work over the last couple of years with uphill athlete. I can't imagine you being more prepared. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Jared as a partner, uh, you know, he and I work so well together in mountain environments that, um, it just was a great team. I, I've never seen Jared have a low spot, at least that he verbalized. Um, but there was definitely some lows felt where we would separate a little bit. Right. And fortunately, neither of us had lows at the exact same time. So we were always able to kind of draft off the other one, at least mentally, when things got tough. So previous to this attempt, Jared's done this. Gosh, how many times has he done it before this? He had he did it with Matt Hart in either 2009 or 2010. Um, and then he did it a month previous yeah with gary robbins which is just disgusting isn't honestly. that amazing he went back <laughs> he is, out for he is superhuman that, he yeah. went out for like that dessert of human suffering that's amazing did you guys yeah. try to follow the same route that he and gary had done you know we specifically made and and and, and jared in particular recommended some some alterations to it okay. um for two reasons one uh to maybe try to make it a little bit faster Okay. Uh, and the other is to do it a little different. So it wasn't the exact same thing that he'd done before. <laughs> <laughs> I spice it up a little. I don't know how you can spice that drudgery up a little bit, but that's so amazing. Like you said, I can't believe, well, one, he did the, the 13s with you, the Utah 13s. Yep. Yep. And then exactly. he did Nolan's and then he did Nolan's again. And there's yeah. no telling what else he did because he's so low key. <laughs> he did some rad stuff. Right. I mean, he's amazing. <laughs> yeah. He is incredible, yeah. And, and and he and Gary had a full epic when they did Nolan's. They they got stormed off. They had terrible weather. Um, did you guys and, have and good still weather? Finished. We had good weather. Yeah. Um, it got a little chilly, but I mean, we didn't have rain. We had a, a one thunderstorm that passed nearby, um, but otherwise, it was just great weather. That's good. So, what gear did you guys take? So. Um, you know, it would be pretty similar to what you would use for a hundred miler. I mean, um, I used La Sportiva Kasha shoes, which is kind of their long distance, a little bit heavier shoe uh, with sticky rubber, um, Patagonia clothes, Strider Pro short, and right. um, kind of my, my typical kit with the lightweight Capoline T. Uh, I did carry a down jacket and a full rain kit, the Storm Racer rain kit. Right. Um, uh I used a combination of black diamond and Petzl headlamps. Um, um, primarily the Petzl Now Plus 
uh, at night uh, yeah. when it was really critical for navigation because of the 750 lumens that <laughs> thing can crank out. Those, those things uh, are awesome. <laughs> yeah, pretty ridiculous. Uh, navigation was done uh, primarily using uh, the Gaia app on iPhones uh, and then my Suunto watch uh, to keep track of kind of overall time and distance. Oh, did you guys download? Uh, um, so that go back to that Gaia app because I don't. Yeah. I don't think I have it yet, but I remember Turtle Miller telling me about it. And anytime Turtle tells me about something, one, I'm a little suspect. <laughs> yeah, well, you should be. It's Turtle after all. But um, so um, he, he's spot sick. on. Like that. So this is a super rad app. So tell us about yeah. this app real quick. Well, so Gaia, is, it's, it's an iPhone app. Uh, it uses the GPS on the phone. So you can have your phone in airplane mode and it still knows your location. Um, and, and what Jared and I have done on, on several adventures now is we'll build our map set in an online program called CalTopo. Okay. Uh, and then you just, you export that to, uh, to Gaia via text message to yourself and load that in and it's all there. That's um, pretty all your information. slick. Yeah. So it gives you, you know, kind of the iPhone blue orb of your location and, you know, right where you're at at all times, as long as you can keep your phone functioning. Yeah, that's, which nowadays you can take those little chargers that are you know no bigger than like a finger. Yep. You can keep everything. Yep. Well, and in airplane mode, I didn't charge my phone at all, and it functions the whole time. Yeah, that that's a good point. That airplane mode is pretty rad. It lasts for a long, 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 long time. Yeah. So you didn't have to use your rain gear. Did it get really cold? I did put the jacket on a couple of times to stay warm. Right. And, just, uh, did you I put did your put down jacket on. on, or was it just the rain gear? I did. I did um, on Harvard Peak the first night. Um, it was pretty cold, and we took a uh, ten-minute uh, nap on the summit of Harvard because we were both pretty sleepy in the middle of the night. Right. So I had my down coat on for that, um, and I actually was using not a down, but this new um, Patagonia Micro Puff, which is a synthetic insulation, but it's lighter than my down jacket. Oh. Um, and that's out now. It's a super sick piece. Um, and I wore it again on Elbert, which is the second to last peak. Um, I'd gotten a little weird with thermoregulation, like I was either super hot or super cold. Right. And so I wore it for a while up there as well. So you guys took a nap on your first night. What about the second day? Did you nap again at all? Um, Jared took a nap, a, a 15 minute one at, at Winfield where I was going to quit. Right. Um, and I was in the process of eating, I think I ate almost 2,000 calories there <laughs> instead of sleeping. <laughs> um, and then uh, we did take another, we laid down for another 15 minutes um, before we went up Mount Elbert. Um, Are you guys getting like legitimate sleep at that point? Or is it kind uh, of like just, I'm going to close know, my eyes? Yeah, I, clo I closed my eyes. Jared sounded like he slept. Um, I just don't have that superpower to be able to sleep. Um, in the middle of an endurance event like that, I got to work on developing it. <laughs> you got a couple of years to get that. Yeah, so, but both both my, my major adventure partners, Jared uh, and Ty Draney, have the ability to just like sleep on the snap of fingers. Like it's crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't have that. It, it takes me a little while to get there. So when you got in the Winfield, you said you ate two thousand calories. What that entail? Um, it was, uh, mashed potatoes, Ooh, yeah. uh, two packages of instant mashed potatoes. Um, I ate, what else did I have there? I had a quesadilla. Um, I had a Red Bull. Wow. I had, um, a cucumber and cream cheese and ham wrap. Wow. Um, 
and some ramen noodles. I can't believe you ate all that and just kept going. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so what were you eating on the routes when you guys were out uh, hiking and running? So I, I worked with Goo Energy Labs before that trip to Bears Ears this spring to put together kind of a multi-day fueling plan. Mm -hmm. um, and I applied that. So I was using um, the Goo Roctane uh, concentrated okay. um, in a soft flask in the front of my vest. Right. Uh, and then water in the hydration reservoir. Um, I was using on average about a goo every like a goo gel, like three hours. I was taking one of those. Right. Um, and then I was mixing in um, either some trail mixes or jerky. Um, I had some gummy bears because they sounded good. Yeah. And then I had these um, sweet potato and um, turkey sausage and egg wraps. Wow. Um, that sounds good. That my lovely bride uh, <laughs> prepared for me beforehand, and I'd mix those in as well. Wow, you're well fueled. A well fueled for sure. Yeah, that that sounds like it's pretty spot on. So you you get through your low point, you keep marching on. You guys finish up. And what was your time? Fifty three hours. Yeah. Like so um, fifty three nineteen was our overall time trailhead to trailhead. Um, and we were 51 um, to the summit of the final peak. And what's the FKT on that course? It's actually uh, right around 48 hours. Um, oh, my goodness. Yeah, Iker, Iker Carrera from Spain That's in right. August. He did it after came, Hard Rock, right? He did, yeah. He spent a month after Hard Rock getting to know the route. Um, and he, uh, did, did amazing. Um, it was, he's first person to go under 50 hours. Um, and he actually was 47, 40 is what he was. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. I can see Killian coming back and beating that maybe, but yeah. And Iker said in an interview that he thought that Killian could do it in 40 hours. What? That's what he said. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Um, I, you know, I, I, I'm just happy that we survived. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm happy you survived too. I mean, because that's that's a great adventure and a great story. Um, yeah. So you're you're done with that now. You're well in September, and you got another race coming up here soon. Yeah, I got a, uh, I got ten days from today to be ready to run the bear. <laughs> yeah, which you've done a couple of times in the past. Yep, yep. I've I've got three bear finishes in the past. Right, and how well have you done in the past at the bear? Uh, you know, it's it's always treated me pretty well. Yeah. Uh, all three of those have been under twenty four hours. Um, and I had let's see, a second and a third played third place finish in those. Right. So you've done really well in the past, and you know the course like the back of your hand. It, yeah, it treats me pretty well. It's well, it's a great course. Period. Yeah. It's really fun to run on, and so you're going to use that as your qualifier for hard rock next year yeah yeah i am um that's the plan yeah i just got to finish it um uh, and that and honestly maybe for the first time in a hundred miler my honest only goal is to finish <laughs> well i can uh, see my you. legs still feel pretty trashed from nolan's so, yeah um, you might get a little excited up front if the weather's good and the the, the pace is a little spicy you know? yeah yeah i get sucked into that pretty easy so i'm gonna try not to um and maybe maybe I'll end up having a great race if I can not go out too fast and blow up. Yeah, I think I think you'll have a good time. A couple of weeks ago, there was a 
you know, besides you, there was a bunch of fast dudes on the, the start list. I haven't checked lately to see if they've dropped off. A couple of them have, yeah. Um, but I know Timmy Olsen will be there. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Browning will be there. Yeah. Uh, and Jeremy Humphreys will be there. Um, oh, yeah. All, all fast dudes. Um, yeah. And then, and then there's always, you know, 15 or 20 other guys that you don't know of that could come out and take names. Oh, yeah. So. They'll go out and smoke the, the start right away. And you'll be like, who are these guys? Stop <laughs> running so fast. Yeah. Well, and the bear is always a little bit of a wild card with weather. You know, I've, I've raced the bear in 100 degree temperatures and there's been bears that have had tons of snow. So well, you know, we'll see what we get. I think I saw today Phil put out his official uh, post saying that it's supposed to be the high is supposed to be in the 70s. Oh, beautiful. So I think Oof. you guys are going to have some good weather. It might be a little chilly up there by Ranger Dip, which it always is. Yeah, for the most it always, it's always freezing up there in the middle of the night. Yeah, that that was probably the coldest I've ever been going through there one year. Yeah. But they do have good sauces. That's the only consolation. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So you're gonna after you do the bear, is there anything else going on this year for you? Uh, you know, I've got a trip, um, this this elusive trip to the Faroe Islands that I've been trying to do for about a year and a half, um, oh. which are islands in between uh, the United Kingdom and Iceland. Um, and I just got my plane ticket finalized, so that'll be end of October. And I'm headed to that. Um, and then I kind of kick off some activism work that I'm working uh, at. The, there's a there's a conference called the Shift Conference at Jackson Hole that oh, yeah. um, I'll, I'll be at. Um, uh, looking forward to that. And, and then uh, I just, I guess I start training for next year. <laughs> so, so you've been working with uphill athlete over the last two years. Yeah. What, so tell us about that. So how, how has that affected your, your fitness level now? How have you been able to build off of that year one in the year two? Cause you're coming into the end of year two basically now. So how do you see yeah. that, that transition affecting you? Uh, I think that the, the, the structure and the programming that Scott has built up for me has, has brought me to a, a, a totally different level of fitness. Um, and because of the goals, I don't feel like I'm as fast as I have ever been, but I feel much stronger than I've ever felt. Um, right. and, and just the size of the adventures that I've done um, and then mixing in some short, fast stuff. Um, I, I feel pretty, pretty happy about the results that I've been able to have Um and, uh, you know, I was, I was seeing my massage therapist today uh, and, and he commented that, that he thought that I was as lean as I'd ever been. Right. Um, but but I don't feel like I'm emaciated. You know, I feel right. strong. And, and um, so the, the programming and I think, you know, probably the biggest thing is having a, a long term view, mm -hmm. not just what's going to happen in the next few months or what's going to happen this season. But what are we shooting for in a couple of years? And, and, and you know. A bigger a bigger picture on on how we're doing um our our build-ups and our, our our rest periods and and things like that well that's really good and exciting to hear because we we can see it from the outside looking in you know we, we can see that you're definitely more durable than maybe you haven't been in the past you you're sound like you're happier with what you're doing so uh, hats off to scott he's doing an awesome job with you yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm, you know, completely thrilled. And, and I see, I see other athletes that work with coaches that do amazing for a short period of time and then they're gone, you know, and, and I think a lot of that's overtraining or maybe not appropriate structuring. Right. Um, whereas, 
you know, I, I feel like I'm in it for the long game here. Um, and, and not just to be sitting back and being in the middle of the pack, but on the front edge of the pack for a long time. Right. That's, that's cool. So you're going to get your qualifier. Obviously you're going to put in for hard rock. Um, how are you going to build next year? So you'll have basically two scenarios. You'll, you'll have one scenario where you get in the hard rock and the other one will be where you don't. So what do both of those look like? Well, I mean, if, if I get into hard rock, I mean, every, everything's on that, you know, I'll focus a hundred percent efforts to being as ready as I can be for hard rock. Uh, if I don't get into hard rock, um, I'll probably look at, um, uh, maybe a, a couple of big events in Europe. Um, oh. there, there, there's some hundred mile race, uh, the ultra trail Monte Rosa, um, oh, yes. that the UTMR that, um, uh, oh, I'm blanking out on her name. Um, oh, Lizzie Hawker. Lizzie Hawker, yeah. Together, yeah. That's that's one that I have some interest in. I, I certainly would maybe be interested in getting back on the Skyrunning Extreme Series, going back to Norway and and Glencoe, because um, those races are so epic. Um, shout out to Cody Lind from Pocatello. Uh, got seventh at Glencoe this last weekend. Um, hey, you're you're kind of breaking up a little bit. Are you holding holding your phone a little funky? I think I might have been. Yeah, did you hear oh. me? No. Yeah, that's a lot. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, so a quick shout out to Cody Lind uh, from up here in Pocatello. Just got seventh at the Glencoe race in Scotland. Yeah, that's legit, huh? Yeah, yeah. Cody's Cody's been crushing this year. I think he'll end up in the top five in that series internationally. That's so. really impressive. And that that's not an easy course. I, m- I remember you saying last year, you thought Glencoe was the hardest race you've ever done. Yeah, by far the most technical. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You thought it was a lot harder than Tromso. Yeah, it was. Totally. It's amazing. And then, you know, Killing went out and just crushed that you know, two weeks after UTMB, which is, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know how he does it. It's <laughs> Superhuman, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's, he's racing Ultra Pyrenee this next weekend, too. So we'll see how that goes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that, that's amazing. So if you get into Hard Rock, are you going to do any races in the spring? early summer building up to that um you know i'll, I'll probably be at rufa um yeah you know that's always a, a that's an event in february yeah. yeah an event in february um and the, you know there's a there's a an, an event in tennessee that i may be interested in trying to figure out how to get into but are you serious um, <laughs> you've yeah, been talking maybe. to jared too much <laughs> well i've been spending a lot of time with him <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe you need to talk to Ty for a little bit about that. Yeah, maybe a little bit more. That's for sure. <laughs> well, that would be exciting um, to see you try that. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Um, and you know, another big thing on my plate for next spring is is uh, race directing at the at the tenth year of the Scout Mountain Trail Ultra Trail. So this is the tenth year that you've been in charge of it. No, no, it's it started ten years ago with the okay. Pocatello Fifty. Um, right and this will be my fifth year in charge wow so tell me about that so is it just going to be the same where you have the 35k 60k and 100k you know what it's not it's not going to be the same what's going uh, on there's there's some big changes in store um and i actually can officially talk about this today because i talked to the forest service this morning oh my um, goodness lucky us so uh scout mountain ultra trail next year will be a 35k all right which is what we've had yep um same course yes same course, no change. Okay. Yep, it'll be a fifty miler. Oh, uh, no more sixty k. All right, um, we're gonna bump the, you know, in in uh, respect of the original fifty mile. Is it gonna um, be the original fifty mile course? 
No, it will be um, the same course as the 60K, except for the runners will start at Gibson Jack One Aid Station earlier, which puts them right at 50 miles. At Gibson Jack One Aid Station. That's kind of, I'm trying to remember where that's at. Is that kind of down by the creek? It is, yep, yep. Yeah, the, the trail has changed just a little bit there. The Forest Service rerouted it. There's this big, beautiful parking lot there now. Um, and so that will be our start for the 50-mile race. Wait a minute. They'll still finish the same. Isn't that really a nasty climb right away? It used to be. In the, in the early 50s, folks tell 50 it was. Now it's a, it's a beautiful trail called the Sterling Justice Trail that kind of contours along. It does climb for maybe 700 vertical feet in the first three miles, and then it just contours along. Okay, so uh, you're not going to have them go straight up that hillside that 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 used to go. No, straight. no, not anymore. Okay, that um, would have been that would have been cool, but also very cruel. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Yeah, brutal to start right up on that. And uh, the hundred k is going away uh, for next year, and we are going to have the uh, inaugural Scout Mountain Ultra Trail hundred miler. Oh, so tell me about that. That sounds terrifying and awesome. Uh, st still a handful of details to be determined. Um, right. where we, we have our course roughly penciled in, okay. um, and it will include essentially the entire hundred K course. Oh, um, here's the twist though, is our plan is to start the hundred miler on Friday afternoon. Okay. Uh, so all runners in the hundred mile will go through the night. Yeah. Um, and they'll actually get the opportunity to, to, to summit scout mountain, uh, or nearly summit Scout Mountain from a different direction two more times. Oh, oh, that sounds awful. It's going to yeah. be beautiful. <laughs> so uh, it, rough, rough estimates right now for the 100 milers, it's going to be about 24,000. <laughs> so are, so they're going to basically run the 100K like it normally is, right? Well, what they'll do is they'll run the new part, the new 40 miles. And then they'll tie into the 100K course and they'll pick up the 50 milers and the 35K in kind of the staggered starts that we've done in the past. Oh, my gosh. So they're going to they're going to finish off the 100 miler with another ascent of Scout Mountain and that. Yes. Heinous and up out of the Nordic Center will be their last climb. Oh, that's going to hurt so bad. It will. That it sounds will. delightful. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be super cool. Um, right on, we're dude. really That's excited exciting. about it. We've got three new aid stations. Um, we already have uh, two of the aid station captains committed that are so psyched for having overnight uh, parties yeah. for the aid stations. Uh, we are looking for one more. So if anybody out there is interested in becoming an aid station captain for Scout Mountain, we'd love to have you. Hey, that'd be fun. I think that, you know, there's that running group from Idaho Falls. They're pretty good about you know, getting some. Yeah, we'll talk to out. those guys for sure. They've got that new race that they're putting on too at the end of July, the uh, Palisades. Oh, the Palisades Hundred, yeah, yeah, that's right. I saw something about that. So I think the fifty and hundred mile is that what they're doing? Man, they've got a marathon, a fifty mile, and a hundred mile. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. Some, some really good hundred milers coming to, to Idaho now, and I know yeah. you're going to do a good job. I'm not. I'm not worried about your guys's race. You'll be spot on. Um, but yeah, we're excited hurt. for it. That's going to hurt a lot. Not going to be an easy one. And the time of year is a little bit tough, uh, you know, doing a spring hundred. Um, you know, our, our, our goal would be to, to make a race hard enough that we could be considered for a hard rock qualifier in the future, hopefully. I, I certainly think that you're going to be and a Western States qualifier too. Yeah. Yeah.
Sure. Totally. Sure. That's awesome. So when do you get the final approval from the Forest Service? And when, so when do I need to put this on the SMUT website is another question I have. <laughs> <laughs> so you and I will be meeting about when we put it on the SMUT website, but I, I am hoping to have everything set within a month. Okay. That's cool. Um, and then registration will open as we have in the past on uh, New Year's. Okay. So what sort of limitations are there on the entries for this? So our, our permit will stay at 300 total for all of the events. Okay. Um, and I'm not going to put a specific cap on any of the distance and we'll just go until we sell out. Right on. That's awesome. And we will make sure that uh, the hunter milers are, uh, well, I, I can't commit 100%, but I think we'll be doing buckles uh, and probably some type of Patagonia clothing item for the finishers. Nice. Well. That'll be exciting. Well, I might have to sign up for that. We'd love to have you. Well, I was planning on coming back and doing the, the 60K already, but. Well, you're just going to have to run a little further. Yeah. I'll have to <laughs> talk to Coach Ty about a training program for next year, for sure. Well, that's exciting. That's right. We're psyched. We're really excited to, to kind of take it to a, a, a new level. And since it's the 10th anniversary and. Yeah. So uh, what made to... you guys decide to do the 100 miler? You know, I've been thinking about it for a few years. Um, and. One one reason is I really wanted to bring back the 50 miler. Um, okay. You know that was that was Jared uh, Campbell and Ryan McDermott's brainchild to start, and I right. felt like uh, that legacy needed to continue. Okay. And it's pretty weird to have a 50 miler and a 100k. So yeah, just the logical uh, increase. Well, that's going to be a little bit more work for you, but I know you can handle it. Um, yeah, well, and honestly, I, you know, it's going to be up to the volunteers, and we have amazing volunteers up here. Yeah, you do. You out. guys put on such a good race up there, and I think that's one of the things that we always try to emphasize when we talk about this on the Trail Mares podcast is how well you take care of your runners. Um, there's not going to be any issues with the course marking. The aid stations are top notch. The pre-race and the post-race is spot on. And yeah, the, and it should be, a, you know, it's going to be more of a party because the race will just, the party will go longer at the finish line. <laughs> yeah, the, the start finish area is so much fun. That park, yeah. is, it's great, easy access from the, the, the freeway too. Yeah, just, at, just about seven miles off the freeway, but you feel like you're up in the wilderness. So Yeah, you really do, which is crazy. So you're driving through there and you're like, huh, this is a pretty cool area. And then you go up to the start finish area and you're like, oh, this is rad up here. This is legit. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's totally awesome, awesome, dude. I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, like I said, when, when, when it's time to talk about putting it on the website, let's, let's get it done. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. It's going to be cool for sure. Well, Luke, I, I appreciate you taking your time, uh, to talk to us tonight. I know you've been super busy lately with work and, uh, I, I know that it's, it's a big deal to, to step away from the family and talk to us. So I want to genuinely thank you for doing that um and then we'll catch up with you here soon too to talk about maybe some cold weather running and uh, totally. what gear that you would want to use or what gear that you're going to recommend for people so we can look forward to that maybe in a couple of weeks yeah awesome i'd love to i'd love to and, and always uh, enjoy the opportunity to come on and uh and chat with you for sure yeah, maybe we'll we'll drag Eric's bus up there and we'll we'll jump in the bus because that's always just so much more enjoyable to do. But again, thanks for taking your time tonight to talk to us. And uh, yeah, so look forward to the the Smut 100 miler and 50 miler coming to you January 1st. Yep, race dates first weekend in June. You can mark your calendars now. Right on. All right, thanks, Luke. I appreciate it. Thanks, Joel. 
Thank you for listening to the Trail Manners Podcast. We'd like to thank Luke Nelson for taking the time to join us once again. We also want to encourage everybody to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Trail Manners or swing by the website at trailmanners.com. There on the store page, you can snag yourself some cool swag and rights or hit us up on the contact page. Let us know what you want to see, who you want to hear, or if you would like to be on the show. Until next time, this is Eric Manning with Joel Hatch reminding you, you don't get what you wish for, you get what you work for. Now go get it.